Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Cool hand Luke, under the gun, over the middle, it's caught, it's touchdown, it's Renard Bell. In his very first start. Here's Falk, throwing into the end zone, touchdown, Johnson Mack. Michael Preston. Third year in a row. Third year in a row, I get to use the Duck Hunt intro after on the podcast after the Oregon game. That's pretty gall darn neato, isn't it? That's pretty neato. Thanks to Fox for those highlights. We love them so much. Welcome to the Cougar Center Hour. I am Michael Preston here on this journey through Cougardom and the number eight ranked Washington State Cougars with you. That sounds so cool to say. Single digit, a single digit in front of the Washington State Cougars name on the little score bug. And it's a little snowman. It's so nice. It's a little... Normally, I hate snowman. Snowmen. Because when I golf, they're awful. That's a terrible joke. And as usual, I have let off the show in an awful way. Vince Grippy of the Spokesman Review is going to join us here in a little bit to talk more about the Cougs. Rob Huang of California Golden Blocks is also going to stop by to talk about... The California Golden Bears, the Cougars' next opponent. However, I would like to go back over that Oregon game a little bit, if you don't mind first. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was great. Especially that opening sequence of stop on fourth down. I don't know what Willie Taggart was thinking there. You're, what, two minutes into the game, and you're going for it on fourth and one in your own territory? Look, I, I'm as big a go-for-it on fourth down whenever you want to, guys, there is. But that, uh, if you don't get it, that's bad. And boy, did it ever turn out bad on the next play. It turned out really awful on the next play. And it did same thing happened kind of later in the game. I'll get to that in a second. But it, this Washington State team, and we'll talk about this with Vince too, they're doing it with defense. This is what astounds me. The offense isn't humming along like you would almost expect it to. I, I would say that it's it's not quite living up to expectations of a redshirt senior quarterback. Jamal Morrow's having himself a hell of a season. Tavares Martin, very good. Isaiah Johnson, Max coming along. Renard Bell, what a breath of fresh air he's been. Jameer Calvin, too. But... It's still not, you know, still some offensive line issues, still some issues getting the running backs going in the running game, not the passing game. This defense, a defense, has taken a Mike Leach team into the top 10. Who the hell would have ever thought that? Sit down, you're lying if you thought that. This defense has just been absolutely flying all over the place. And I... Look, I get that Oregon was starting a freshman quarterback, and I'm sick of all the, well, Wazoo faced a USC team that was depleted in a freshman quarterback in Oregon. I don't care. I do not care about any of that. Because they did exactly what they should do against a freshman quarterback and a team led by a freshman quarterback, and that is hold them to 10 points. 10 points. That's it. The one touchdown scored on broken coverage. Oregon took a 10-7 lead at that point and they would not score again. 
They didn't score for the rest of the damn game after taking that lead. This is the, the these are the Oregon Ducks we're talking about. Right? Just to be clear, an Oregon Duck team that was better than we expected them to be, I think, this year. Better than I certainly expected. I thought Oregon State would be better than them, but again, this is why you don't come to me for prognosticating. That's still Oregon. They still have Royce Freeman. They still have weapons on offense that can kill you. I don't care if it's Willie Taggart's first year and Jim Levitt is running that defense and doing a fabulous job again. You went down to Eugene and you whacked the crap out of him. I mean, really, it's it's that simple. And it, and it, and it didn't even look that difficult for you. Are we going to be honest about that? It just it didn't look difficult. They didn't even play, not even close to their best game on offense. Not even close. And they absolutely killed them. 23 points, still closer than I think that game really was. That defense was absolutely flying around, being incredibly disruptive. Jihad Woods had another insane game. Hunter Dale got out there, played out of his skull. Marcus Strong got a pick. Multiple turnovers. That defense is doing exactly what it needs to be doing for this team to be successful. Now can you imagine if this offense was humming along like it did late last year? Or kind of in the middle of the season. Maybe not the Colorado, UW, Minnesota games. But imagine them humming along like that. And this defense. <laughs> I have a hard time containing my excitement just thinking about that. But I had a eureka moment the other night, moving on a little bit from the Oregon game. Actually, no, I'll tell you what. Let's stay here for a second. I'll get to that eureka moment in a second. What really struck me was WSU took advantage, direct advantage of those turnovers, and they didn't wait on Saturday. The turnover on downs, Jamal Morrow houses it next play. The Marcus Strong interception, which, by the way, here's what I love. Strong intercepts that pass on the 50 on the camera side of the field, then ends up running it back 20-some-odd yards the other side of the field. He goes 180 degrees around that stadium, taunting the fans. Giving them the, come on, yeah, or the shh, or the shh thing. And they start booing the crap out of him. The next play, very next play, Luke Falk all the way to the end zone, Isaiah Johnson Mack. Comes back out, gives him the O symbol, and runs back over to the bench. I know there are a lot of people that don't like the cockiness. I know there are a lot of people that don't like the moxie, but I love it. They know they are a better football team than Oregon. They know it. And they were going to show them that they were. That's part of why I like that so much. Yeah, if it comes back to bite you in the butt, it looks a little bad. And I know, so oh, just go out there and play the game. Just go out there and play the game. Just go out there and play. That's not fun. That was fun. It's fun to do that. Especially to a team that's had a stranglehold on the Pac-12 North for so long. And on the Pac-12 or Pac-10 even before that. It's fun to do that. 
Because two years ago in Autzen, you needed overtimes to beat them. And you needed a last-second drive to tie the game. And you really weren't comfortable with the outcome of that game until Oregon had a fourth and forever in the second overtime. Last year at home, you pretty thoroughly dismantled them. But you hadn't gone to Autzen Stadium yet. And you hadn't put your foot down on the gas and just not stopped. And they got most of the way there on Saturday. Four field goals from Eric Powell, by the way. He deserves every bit of that special teams player of the week. Again, what a performance he's putting on this year. Kid's been absolutely lights out. But they went and they finally did it. They finally went and just stomped down on Oregon in Eugene and told them, you are no longer the boss in the Northwest. You are not in charge up here anymore. We are in charge. That's why that felt so good for them to run around taunting the fans for IJM to run back out with the Oregon O. That's why that felt so good. It felt good because they know they are better than that football team. Felt good for me too to see him do it. But I had that Eureka, I talk about that Eureka moment I had the other night. Was that not only is Washington State eight, eighth ranked in the country, they're 6 and 0, so they're bowl eligible already. Six games into the season, we're bowl eligible. So that's, I mean, I know expectations are much higher than that, but there's a, there's a minimal thing I need to be happy every season checked off already. Washington State has been or is bowl eligible. So, we'll be going to, or has gone to, a bowl game in four of their last five seasons. Do you know when else that has happened in WSU history? Never. It has never, ever happened before. I... (laughs) It's hard to wrap your head around. How much better this team has gotten just in the last two and a half seasons. I still think that 13 New Mexico Bowl was a little bit of a fluke. And I think, again, if you switch the 2014 and 13 seasons, we'd all be a little bit, we would have all been a little bit happier at the beginning of 2015 after that loss to Cal. But for the last five years, you're bowl eligible. And that has never happened before. Three straight, including this year, that has happened once before. It's just amazing. It's just amazing to me that that is where we are now. Compared to, it, it, it's so far away from the doldrums of a decade ago. From the suffering of indignities on a week-in and week-out basis. And again, you know, not like I was the guy on the field getting my crap kicked in. But it was hard to be a fan of a football team back then. And again, you know, it shouldn't compare to being the guy on the field who was actually getting his butt kicked. But it sucked. A lot. And this is so damn nice by comparison. Washington State is number eight in the country. Washington State. I... I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around it. Because this is this is not the norm at Washington State, is it? This is not the norm in Pullman. Maybe it will be from here on out. But, I don't want to get too ahead of myself there. But, this is certainly 
raising expectations. Six wins just isn't good enough anymore. Seven wins would barely be good enough anymore. This is a brand new era of Washington State football. It really and truly is a brand new era of Washington State football. Because, yeah, I mean, maybe we, maybe it's brand new, just a carbon copy of 01 to 03. But man, if this continues, it's a level of success that's relatively unprecedented. And I'm hoping it started with an absolute butt kicking of the Oregon Ducks and Eugene because wouldn't be a much sweeter way to do it. I'll even overlook that little upset over USC if we can we can move it to the next week and say that's when it really started. Make me feel a little better. Rub it in more people's faces because I don't live in LA anymore. Vince Grippy coming up next. We're going to talk more about the Cougs. I, I know, real disappointing. Here on the Cougs Center. <laughs> Here on the Cougar Center Hour, we're now joined by your host for Cougar Calls. He's there to take all of your calls, the ones that don't drop anyway. Uh, Mr. Vince Grippy also writes for the Spokesman Review. Uh, Vince, I like cupcakes, uh, but UW's schedule did kind of stink so far this year. But that that probably might have been a little bit of a step too far on ESPN's part, don't you think? Kind of going all in on Chris Peterson like that a little bit. I, that, that was the dumbest thing ever. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Oh. It's two groups biting the hands to feed feed them, and actually Peterson didn't really bite. He just kind of mentioned that you know we played every every game this year at night, which mm-hmm. doesn't seem kind of fair. And he's not he didn't mention ESPN. He didn't even mention Fox. He didn't mention Pac-12 networks. He just said it's not good for our fans. I'm standing up for our fans. Right. I mean, really, honestly, it was very innocuous. And, and Kirk Herbstreit just kind of with half the information just uh, spouted off like haircuts do, and. Uh, <laughs> He just, it was just silly. And then you double down because, well, he won't meet us in person. Well, he doesn't meet anybody in person. He just does it on the phone. He gives you more time that way. Uh, come on. You know? Yeah. And, and the thing is, is you could put cupcakes out just about every week because only a few teams play really tough non-conference schedules. Yeah. And uh, practically yeah. none of them are power five teams. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. All right. So, well, I thought, I mean, honestly, it was yeah, silly. The cupcakes look delicious at the very least. So at least I got that going for them. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the number eight Washington state Cougars though. And that feels very fun to say a single digit uh, in front of their name. I haven't said that in a long time, but uh, six and no to this point, Vince. And even though I had some lower expectations for this team, I think of practically anybody who follows this team as a fan of this team, 6-0 and and the way they've done it uh, outside of that Boise State game maybe has to have exceeded expectations to this point. Yeah, you know, it, 
if you looked at the schedule early on and, and, and you went through it and you thought of who they had coming back and stuff, I don't think it was out of the ordinary to think they could win 10 games, you know, go 10 and two or something. I, I mean, I, I felt that right from the get go for the first time ever mm-hmm. hanging around Washington state. Cause I wasn't really around in the early part of the century, but, uh, it, it seemed possible. Uh, even thinking if you, even, even factoring in, you thought they might lose to USC at home. Uh, you still look possible. Um, the way the things have broken down in the conference, uh, that, that to me is the only game to me that strikes me as, as an upset for them is that they got past USC. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing what they have to do. Uh, Cal's coming up. This is a game they should win. Friday night on the road after, after a Saturday night game on the road, big deal. They're a better team. They should win this game. Mm-hmm. They should be 7-0. Um, and then we'll see how it goes from there. I, I kind of thought either Colorado, Utah, would get, one of those teams would give them fits. Uh, it, it, but I also thought they'd probably win. The only games I really thought they would lose during the course of the season was was USC and Washington, and they're, mm-hmm. you know, they've already won one of those. Yeah, no, I, they got past you. I mean, I was in very dramatic fashion getting past USC with Jahad Woods, who actually I do want to talk about him uh, in a little bit as well. But I think the thing that surprised me most, Vince, is that yes, the offense is it's doing okay, it's doing fine right now. I don't think it's maybe clicking as much as. We may like no Gabe Marks, no River Craycraft, certainly not helping things in terms of Luke Falk's comfort, but they're doing this with defense. This football team is is six and zero largely, because, at least to my estimation, because of the defense. And I don't think we ever would have thought we would have said that about a Mike Leach coach team. Well, I don't think we knew, or anybody knew, actually, what they were getting when they hired Alex Grinch. Maybe maybe Leach knew. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they did. He's got a certain philosophy that just just melts in perfectly with Leach's philosophy. I mean, I always felt from right from the get-go with Leach, he wanted a, a, an arena football league defensive coordinator, a guy that sold out for turnovers yeah. so he could have more possessions. And uh, I, I really feel that's one of the, the mantras they live by. Or is it mantra? I don't know. Which, uh, potato, potato. As long as I can yeah. spell it, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But they live by that, and and but it's also turned into something more than that because what was really interesting is is they've lost some really stout defensive linemen, and it looked like okay, they are not going to have guys that can stand up to week in week out pressure. Mm-hmm. And the last two weeks, they've played two teams with, uh, in some cases, NFL offensive lineman i think sc was a little beat up there but oregon has a very experienced offensive line usc had had some really good offensive linemen and and we discovered that what we kind of saw coming up from the beginning is they're so quick they're so well schooled in what they're trying to do that it doesn't matter yeah these guys can do they can control gaps up front and that's that's crucial for them but what amazes me, Michael, is the, the defensive line is controlling gaps, but the linebackers, with basically using at times last week three redshirt freshmen mm-hmm. linebackers, are making tackles all yeah. over the field. You would think that a team of Washington State's uh, pedigree would be decimated if they lost their two senior def- uh, linebackers, That the guys that back there that you just counted on, and it hasn't been the case. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, you talk about losing. I, I thought Peyton Palour was going to be a death knell, but I let's round out. I want to talk about Jahad Woods a little bit too because you mentioned 
how well the linebackers are playing. And when we were in the dog days of the Wolf era, I can remember being on a field with you and seeing those linebackers play and just go, these guys are going to get absolutely killed on Saturday. And to now where you have a redshirt freshman coming in and he is playing absolutely out of his skull, arguably the has been one of the better players on the defense for the last few weeks. How, how refreshing is that to see? Because I think it's part to do, like you said, with Alex Grinch and his philosophy that these guys are just going to be put in a position to make good plays and they're going to get turnovers. But Jahad Woods, it, uh, he's an athlete on a caliber. I don't think we've seen at Washington State in a long time, especially for a redshirt freshman. No, and, and that's what they're looking for. I mean, when they had him and Justice Rogers out there last week at times, sometime Dylan Sherman out there, um, you're not looking at a very experienced group. Group, And yeah, it's really funny. The one breakdown they had in the Oregon game came with guys that uh, Nate DeRider, Kirkland Parker, mm-hmm. they're real, real experienced guys that had breakdowns. <laughs> I guess what that tells me is that Alex Grinch is recruiting his guys, uh, guys that he knows fit his defense. Mm-hmm. And when, they, when they're called upon, they're going to do what he asks and they're going to do it exactly like he wants it done. And it seems to be working. Yeah. I want to talk about a little bit about Luke Falk, too, here. Uh, he's certainly come a long way uh, since that Boise State game, since he got benched in that game. And I, I think I had, I finally compiled the stats the other day. He's just, it's like been some absurd uh, since then. So he's thrown for 1,500 yards, just short of eight yards per attempt, 16 touchdowns, and one pick since he got benched in that Boise State game. Have you seen anything different in him? since then or is it just a matter if he's just finally gotten in sync with his receivers a little bit better i think it's more the latter as the senior as the receivers have uh become more experienced in game action um i don't think anybody's thrown anything at him since the boise state game that they hadn't seen mm-hmm. um, I, you knew what you know what oregon was going to do they had enough film on jim levitt's teams that that what, what I really loved was his his willingness in the second half especially to just call the go route and throw it up and let him go. And, it yeah, they didn't complete a bunch of them, and his, and his completion percentage was down, but they picked up some pass interference penalties. Mm-hmm. They moved the ball. They did make a couple of big plays. And, and the offense um, took enough pressure off the defense that uh, – you know, they could win. The thing I like about Falk lately, and it sounds kind of weird for a Mike Leach quarterback team, but, I mean, you could watch the film and probably say, ooh, he's a really good game manager. Yeah. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And with this defense, that's what they need right now because he hasn't made mistakes. That one you mentioned, the one interception, mm-hmm. is, is, is what they need to win football games at this point in time. Just not turn the ball over. Yeah. Now, they had – I thought they had basically had four turnovers on Saturday night. They had the two, the muff punt, the fumble, uh, and two sh- punts that were so short they were basically turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the defense was able to overcome some of that. They, the two punts they didn't overcome. The other two uh, turnovers they did. Um, so as long as as the offense can take care of the ball right now and score, you know, maybe what you expect, maybe even less than what you expect out of out of this group. They're going to be good enough to win. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk a little bit about actually about the punting. That was my next topic that I brought up because Eric Powell, who's been excellent in the kicking game, he's Pac-12 Special Teams Player of the Week two weeks in a row, had a 52-yard field goal against Oregon, a 49 or 47-yard field goal against Oregon too. The guy's been excellent this year and since the second half of last year too. 
I think it's a little much to also expect him to be good at punting, but they seem to just kind of be rolling either him, Mitchell Cox, Kyle Sweet out there at any, any given time. Does there seem to be a rhyme or reason as to when they're trying the rugby punt, who they're rolling out there to punt to you, or is it just all kind of whoever's standing closest to Eric Mealy goes out there? No, they're using Mitchell Cox when they want to try to pin somebody around the goal line. That must be his strength, you mm-hmm. know, a short punt that's going to stop within the 20 to the to the goal line, and that's that's what his role is. Um, I do think that when they're worried about a return, they're throwing Kyle Sweet out there, and at most times they're going to use uh, Eric Powell. I, I would expect the way Kyle Sweet's been punting lately that that – Maybe that's not going to be on their uh, radar anymore. They're going to just start using Powell uh, exclusively. Uh, I wrote something today. I said that uh, that uh, that Derek Powell was uh, the, the kicker won the uh, won the Pac-12 Player of the Week award, but Eric Powell, the punter, wasn't nominated. No. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> but uh, it, it. I guess. I guess it was okay. It was enough. Mm-hmm. Um, he just. It's hard to do both. It yeah. takes a special guy, and it's also hard to be a wide receiver and a punter. You know, that's another thing that's pretty tough. When you consider how much time punters spend on their on working on their craft, people think, "Oh, they're kickers; they don't do anything." Well, that's not true. Punters work their tail off on on their handling of snaps. They work their tail off on their drops. Mm-hmm. As you know, you've been there. You watched Reed Forrest walk the entire field. Yep. Uh, all one whole practice just working on his drop because that was what he was uh, doing that day, just yeah. to make sure his drop was perfect. And a and a rugby punter, it's got to be it's got to be precise. And, and there's no way Kyle Sweet has enough time to work on that. Yeah. It's, as as much as he probably needs to. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it, nothing against him. It's just a, it's a tough ask. Yeah. So uh, they know they need to improve it. They they uh, their coverage is not bad. They. Their kickoff coverage has been really good. Uh, Oregon, which is a team that has speed everywhere, did did damage them a little bit just just a couple times, but uh, it's something that I, I have faith they'll get it short up because they've been getting stuff short up, you know, all year long. Mm-hmm. You mentioned again uh, short week here this week going into Cal, uh, a football game they really should win. Justin Wilcox said Russ Bowers, Ross Bowers, excuse me, is going to start this week for Cal despite his struggles the last few weeks. Uh, should be an easy win. Colorado's looking like what should be a W, and then going to Tucson uh, should also win that football game. So going into November, there's a very distinct chance this team is 9-0, and and then you look at that schedule in November. How much does that worry you going Stanford at home, final home game early November, and then have to go to Salt Lake City in early November? You get a week off for the Apple Cup, but it's still the Apple Cup, and in all likelihood at this point, the Pac-12 North title is going to be on the line again in that game. Well, uh, you know, it's hard to go that far ahead because you just don't know what the injury situation is going to be like. Right. Say they lose another couple inside linebackers, I mean, then you're really in trouble because no team, and I don't care who it is, maybe Alabama, you know, maybe maybe Alabama can have one position group lose three, four guys and still be successful. Because mm-hmm. Alabama could probably just turn, you know, move over a four-string wide receiver and an inside linebacker, <laughs> and he'd end up being yeah. all-American. But uh, it's it's hard to look that far ahead. The schedule seems to be playing out okay for them. I will say this about uh, a couple of those games: uh, Cal, you're right. You're right. 
Bo Baldwin, though, is an excellent offensive mind whose offense has given uh, Washington State fits before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they uh, they will do something defensively different. You know, Justin Wilcox will, will try to do something different than they've been doing because uh, he's he's uh, his teams have done that in the past. Okay, yes, but still, okay. Say say they win this week, Colorado. Um, is is on a downward side. It's it's really hard. I, I, they're they're the first Pac-12 division champion to go to start the next uh, conference season on three, and that's that's just. I mean, that's got to hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, they do have a very active quarterback though that can run and pass, and that's always been kind of a little bit of Washington State's Achilles' heel. So I, I'm not trying to be negative or anything, but all I'm trying to say is. You just never know in college football, mm-hmm. so you just keep you just keep plugging away. It would be really cool though if they if if nine and going into that month of November. Stanford doesn't worry me as much as I think it worries other people because as long as Stanford has quarterback issues, which they've had this year, and they're, they're, I don't think they're going to get any better because they have what they have. Uh, Bryce Love can can break a, a one or two uh, runs on you and that's okay because you can score on Stanford this year yeah uh, you know I'm more worried about the tip trip to Tucson just because you just never know down there mm-hmm. it's that's that's as tough a trip as there is in the pac 12 and and, and uh, a guy's coaching for his job that's pretty obvious yeah well and Khalil and Tate he, Khalil Tate ran for about a billion yards in Boulder this weekend too so that's yeah, that's not and, 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 yeah. and the first thing everybody thinks is why is this guy been playing what an idiot we have coaching you know, if, yeah. if Brandon Dawkins hadn't been driven into the bench, we'd still have his, him as our quarterback. We wouldn't have won. Why, why does this guy have, this guy hasn't been playing? I mean, that's the first thought that comes into everybody's mind. So, uh, it is a it's already been a special year for Washington State. A couple mm-hmm. more wins, and it's going to be even more so that way. Uh, the the number eight's just amazing, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's mm-hmm. uh, it, it's been a long time around here since that happened. I, I think there's the kids in, that are in school right now. I've never experienced this. No, I want to. I want to leave you with uh, this one other thought. I want just kind of your thoughts on this because I kind of had this eureka moment um, last night, and Mike Leach liked my tweet, so day made. Um, but it was that for the first time in school history, this team is bowl eligible. Will go to a bowl game because they are bowl eligible now, and everybody gets in even at five and seven. Um, right. They will go to a bowl game in four of the last five years. That has literally never happened no. before, and that I I just I. I have a hard time wrapping my head. I have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that it has never happened before. But now that it has happened, and in such a way that you know you go nine and four in 2015, eight and five last year, and you're certainly setting yourself up to better both of those years uh, this year. I just, I, I kind of had it was just kind of one of those mind blown moments where everything kind of just fit together like perfectly. Like wow, that has never happened before. You know, and this is what's what I find really interesting about this. This is where Washington State was headed in the first part of the of the century, and that they went to the Rose Bowl in late in in uh, late the nineteen nineties, and then regressed for three years. And the reason they regressed for three years is because they were building a foundation. They had decided, okay, we've gone to a Rose Bowl. Mike Price, no one's going to want him fired. Uh, we can we can actually lose to win, and they and they built a foundation. Mm-hmm. And if Mike Price had stayed at Washington State, I'm pretty sure that foundation would have would have included exactly what you're seeing now. Uh, most years, winning eight to ten games, a really bad year, maybe winning six or seven, and good years, winning ten or eleven. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what they've gotten with Mike Leach. Is he's built a foundation where where 
they're going to win seven to ten games every year. And every once in a while, like this year maybe, catch lightning in a bottle and uh, um, compete for a spot in the, in the Rose Bowl or the National Championship playoffs Mm -hmm. and that's uh you know that's pretty amazing when you think it's happening in pullman but i mean the plan was in place 20 years ago and it it would have worked if mike price had decided that uh they're not going to put the money into my assistance i'm going to alabama and 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 it kind of fell apart after that it's good and it it started up again when bill moose decided to hire mike leach Mm -hmm. and leach started uh attracting the kind of of uh, players that he wanted he's he's hired assistant coaches that that have really blossomed and and you know the 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 plan is pretty solid and it's working pretty well mm-hmm. you know the amazing thing about it for me michael is that after joe salavea left after last year everybody thought "Ooh, you know it's gonna hurt recruiting which we don't know if it has or has not yet yeah but also oh our defensive line he was he was great defensive line coach well, they went out and got another defensive line coach. It turns out the defensive line played pretty darn well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So you know they found they found a, a fit for their staff that that works pretty well. So when you heard when Gary Anderson quit yesterday at, at Oregon State, part of the reason given was he wasn't happy with his staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the first thing I thought of is who hires that? Who's the supervisor of that staff? Wait that a minute, would, yeah, it's him. Mm-hmm. You know, the, that's our, those are his choices. If he's making bad choices, you got to make changes. Mike uh, Mike uh, Leach made some bad choices right up. You know what he did? He made changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and now he's got a staff he really likes. And if guys leave, he'll make new other changes. And those he seems to be doing a great job of finding guys to fit what he wants. We always love his perspective, especially halfway through the season when you're already bowl eligible. 6-0, and uh, Vince Grippy here. You can listen to him. Call him after every game. He's on Cougar Calls. He wants your company. I know he does. Uh, so give him a call after every game. But you can also read him on the Spokesman Review. And by the way, just another little tidbit on the bowl game here for you, Vince. Eight of the last nine they've gone to, coach named Mike. Yeah, Mike Price and Mike Leach, huh? Yeah, I think that's that's a requirement from now on. Michael needs to be the name of the coach uh, at well, Washington State. How's probably. your resume? Uh, awful, actually. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll 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 put in a token application like PFT commenter or something. But uh, I I I maybe expect an interview, maybe just one interview, not a second though. I would say. Well, as long as you can hire good assistants, you know, you could just be the guy that stands up at press conferences and say, says things like, well, let's on to, on to Oregon. Yeah, I, I would be really good at that. I would be yeah. exceptional at that. Vince, thank there you, you for joining us. I appreciate it, pal. Anytime. the Coug Center podcast. Our thanks again to Vince Grippy for joining us. We need to check in on the Cal Golden Bears, and for that, we turn to Rob Huang of California Golden Blogs, our excellent sister site 
that covers the Cal Golden Bears. And uh, Rob, I just want to start out with, um, we're halfway through the season here, three and three uh, for the Cal Bears so far. Uh, I, I certainly didn't think they were going to be very good this year for no other reason than they were probably going to be rebuilding under Justin Wilcox in his first year. How does the fan base feel with three and three halfway through 2017? I think we're cautiously, cautiously optimistic. Uh, the big thing is no one expected us to start the season 3-0, and um, mm-hmm. yet we did. And I think that heightened expectations just for this season alone. Um, but looking back at it on hindsight, Ole Miss, not a great team anymore. Uh, UNC, not a great team anymore. Mm-hmm. Weber State game was kind of – it came down to the wire. Um, so looking back at it and, you know, pre-SC hype – Mm-hmm. Now we're looking at it, going, yeah, this is this is what we expected. Some some really great highs, but at times some significant lows. And mm-hmm. you know, this is the meat of our schedule uh, with SC, then Oregon, then Washington, and now you guys. So mm-hmm. this is this is the this is the hardest part of our season. Yeah, I know. Last week, uh, Washington kind of made mincemeat a little bit of Cal, but that's kind of to be expected with UW when they're at home and they have all day on Saturday to prepare because they only play night games, according to uh, Chris Peterson. But uh, what did you guys take away from that football game? Was it just a matter of this is just a team that should kind of do this to us, or did you expect at least a little bit more out of that? You know what? I mean, uh, on our podcast, my my, uh, buddy and I, we talked about it, and we said, you know, if this was still Sunny Dykes, we probably would have lost this game Mm -hmm. 84-0. And the fact that we held their team in check off, at least from our defensive side, was – that was really great to see. We got into third and manageable situations. We got them off the field. We we punted away from Austin Pettis, and if we did punt to Austin Pettis, we made sure our guys were down there to make the tackles so he wasn't off to the races scoring touchdowns on special teams. So, you know, if we wanted to pull off the upset, we did exactly mm-hmm. what we needed to defensively and special teams-wise, which was outstanding considering how bad our defense was last year. But mm-hmm. our offense was just abysmal, going three and out every time our defense got us a stop. So that's... Positive takeaways, but at the same time, a lot of frustrations. Mm -hmm. You mentioned kind of being maybe ahead of schedule a little bit uh, so far this season. Again, that close game with SC until they pulled away. I think it was late in the third quarter, fourth quarter. They kind of opened things up a little bit more. But how are you feeling about Justin Wilcox? If you had to give him a letter grade so far, uh, just half a season into his tenure, what would you give him? In terms of the turnaround, knowing that he's a defensive guy that came in, um, and that's where his expertise lies, I mean, it's it's an A for me. Um, taking that defense that was ranked within the 120s last season, mm-hmm. pretty much the same personnel. He came in so late, he didn't even bring in any real impact freshman with this with this recruiting class. He tried to just keep it intact as much as possible. So you take that into account. You're taking the, basically the entire uh, two deep that Sonny had, turning that over into you know, I mean, I would I would be. Uh, I would probably say a top top six defense in the Pac-12. I think mm-hmm. we're smack, we're right there in the middle, uh, somewhere between four and six or four to like seven ish. Yeah. So yeah, I think that turnaround has been amazing so far. So yeah, the the, the it's looking bright here. Mm-hmm. In uh, Bo Baldwin uh, is of course the offensive coordinator. WSU fans know him very well from Eastern Washington and their upset win. Uh, over WSU a couple of years ago, but I know at least after Gary Anderson being gone in Corvallis, his name's been at least kind of floated as a potential candidate. How are you guys feeling about the possibility of him leaving after just one year, potentially? 
Personally, it sucks. Um, you never want to see coordinators leave just after one year. Uh, but at the same time, when we hired him, um, a lot of the fan base, we kind of assumed that this might be the case. Maybe not after one year, but mm-hmm. he's a head coach at Eastern Washington, had great success there. Comes into Division One to a Power 5 school and then takes the offensive coordinator job there. And we automatically assume this is a this is a pad-the-resume type of job where he mm-hmm. comes here, coaches really well, recruits well for, let's say, you know, three, four years maybe. And some, some up-and-coming team decides to take a swing at a, a head coach uh, that or an offense coordinator that has head coach experience. Mm-hmm. I want to – something Justin Wilcox said, I you know, the uh, other day, I think it was on Monday, that kind of caught my eye a little bit was – I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said that they were reevaluating everyone uh, after the three-game losing streak Cal's been on here. What does that mean to you? And does that concern you a little bit going into a short week against the number eight team in the country? Um. Personally, I don't think so. I think, I think for me, he's he's lighting a fire under all the guys. I mean, the mm-hmm. the big mentality when he came in to begin with was during practice was the competition. Um, guys like you know on the defensive end, Darius Allensworth was our starter at cornerback all throughout last season. We came into the season and he was the first cornerback off the bench. He wasn't even starting. Yeah. So it, that just tells you that he wants competition in play. He wants guys to 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 feel like they're not set at any position on any given Saturday or Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like that approach. Um, it's the first time he's been very aggressive in what he's said in the postgame conference. Uh, mm-hmm. Up till now, it's always been, oh, yeah, you know, they're making strides. They're doing well. He did some great things. He did some things that we can work on. Uh, but, yeah, you could definitely tell that the coaching staff and just the team as a whole was uh, very, very – uh, frustrated after that mm-hmm. Washington loss, um, considering the, the three before that as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's great that he's evaluating, reevaluating everyone. And, you mm-hmm. know, just because this is such a young team as well, you might as well start, do, you know, doing that on a week by week basis because mm-hmm. you're going to have to build this program for the future. I uh, said also uh, yesterday or today, I can't remember exactly which it was, Ross Bowers is going to start against Washington State. I know Chase Forrest played a little bit against Washington. Uh, Bauer's stat line not you know hugely impressive, but he's certainly been very good at times for Cal. What does Cal get out of him uh, when he's on the field uh, for the Golden Bears? One thing's one thing's toughness. Um, <laughs> you're, you know, you're, the Washington State defensive line is going to get after him, and mm-hmm. when he gets sacked, he's a guy that's immediately back up. Um, and on a screen pass, he's are sometimes one of the first ones out um, getting blocks in. Or if he throws a sixty-yard bomb, he's He's running down the field, making sure if the wide receiver happens to fumble it, there's a there's a body there. Um, and he's for us, I, that's that's all you can ask for for a first year starter, mm-hmm. starting quarterback. Is if the throws aren't there, is he making the hustle plays? Is he making the 50-50 plays? Is he is he trying to just keep this offense going and showing just the the intangible aspects of that quarterback position, um, which he definitely does. Mm-hmm. Um, the questions now come is. Can, can he start to throw better? Can he start making the deep passes and things like that to open up our offense? Mm-hmm. What should we expect uh, from the Cal offense on Friday night? I know uh, Trey Watson has been out the last four games. Vic Enwere, who WSU fans should know pretty well, has gotten 51 touches this year, hasn't picked up too many yards, uh, and receivers, we all know uh, Vic Wharton the third uh, very well uh, as well. Uh, so what, what do we expect from uh, the Cal offense in terms of what we're going to see when the WSU defense is on the field? 
Uh, I I would say that you you might see a lot of runs to start the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Laird only got two carries last game against Washington. Um, and, and not to say that you guys don't have a, a great defense, uh, but the defensive line is definitely uh, bigger-bodied guys on the Washington end, mm-hmm. Washington State, with a lot of more speed guys. So I'd say they might test that from the beginning um, instead of trying to get our offensive line which has not performed of great of the last couple of weeks, just try and get them out mm-hmm. in front of the defensive line instead of trying to get them to pass protect. So I would assume you get a lot of touches to Patrick Laird, whether that's through swing passes out of the backfield or just straight up the gut running. And then, of course, a lot of balls thrown to our, right now, our star wide receiver, Kanavainoa, who should mm-hmm. be back to play um, this coming Friday after missing out against Washington last week. Uh, defensively, you mentioned you guys have been very happy uh, so far this year with the Golden Bears. Is there anything specifically? I know you you know you mentioned that they they got Washington into some third and manageable situations, got them off the field, which is a pretty good accomplishment against a very good offense. Uh, with the Huskies have, is there anything else more specifically you guys have been very happy with defensively for Cal this year? Because it seems like you're right. Last year they were just an importantly bad defense under Sonny Dykes, but it seems like they've improved quite a bit as you mentioned this year. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing that a lot of uh, the Cal fans that we've realized is the scheme and the play calling on the defensive end has improved significantly. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're sending four at you at every play, but you don't know where those four guys are coming from. It could be two on the D-line, then two linebackers. It could be all four D-line. It could be uh, two linebackers, a D-lineman, and a corner. Like, you just, you just don't know. We disguise it so well, um, and each guy pl- knows – what their role is in any significant any given play call mm-hmm. um and and i think the biggest fact is our one of the defensive players tweeted up right before the season began that he hasn't had this much fun playing football in a, in a long time so that just that that's telling that every single defensive player on any given snap is just having a lot of fun flying out there um being able to do a lot more things other than just going after the ball and tackling the ball mm-hmm. carrier. I wanted to touch on one more thing before we get to maybe a prediction uh, on the game. I know uh, Cal is looking for a new athletic director, if I remember correctly. They are losing Mike Williams at the end of this academic year. Where does it, where does that search stand, and is it? do you think it's good that they gave them or that he gave them that much notice to kind of be looking for a new athletic director? Uh, I think it's great that he, he decided, you know, if he realized early enough that he was going to step away from this position, now mm-hmm. he get a – a full year to go on that search. There hasn't been much on the search so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd assume that that would probably start to pick up probably towards the middle of basketball season is when I would assume you'd, we'd start hearing the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, like the hires that he's made of Wilcox and our basketball coach, Viking Jones, turned, looking right now to be home run hires. So, you know, so my my uh, co-host for the the Golden Blogs podcast has said, "Why why are we not trying to convince him to stay at this point?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think more news will start to trickle out as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so, I think it's just probably a lot more feelers and trying to figure out if anyone's actually interested in the position. Friday night under the lights at Memorial Stadium in Berkeley. Uh, I, I get to go for the first time. I haven't been there in 10 years, and that was back when the lights were going out in the West Concourse because the electrics were not wired properly. But yeah. the stadium, stadium's <laughs> in much better shape now. Uh, so Friday night, short week. Both teams were on the road uh, the week before. Give me a prediction how you think Friday night's going to go. Well, the spread started off, I think, at 14.5 mm-hmm. on Monday. Yep. So I'm, I'm – 
I'm going to take the spread. I'm not going to say Cal's going to win, uh, but I think Cal covers the spread mm-hmm. in a loss to Washington State. I like that. That's that's good. I, I I like a man who hedges his bets. I'm not going to say they're going to win, but I think they cover. That's that. that I like that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, if you were if you were a betting man, you would you might be able to make a little money on that. Rob Huang <laughs> joins us from California Golden Blogs. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. No problem. Anytime. Here on the Cooks Iron, you know, thanks to Rob Huang for joining us uh, to go over the Cal Golden Bears. His insights, very valuable uh, ahead of Friday night's matchup on ESPN, lover of cupcakes. Uh, I, <laughs> if you know me at all personally, and hell, even a little bit through this podcast, you know, I, I am, uh, I, I have the memory of an elephant and I hold grudges Kind of like nobody's business, or at least I, I can't let things go. That'd probably be a better way to put it. Uh, every week, I write a bull projection post for Coug Center, just so you can get an idea of where the Cougs, where the national media thinks the Cougs going to end up this postseason. And that's just kind of a fun thought exercise. Be like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if they played this team in this place? And wouldn't it be fun if we could go to this place after the season? And, you know, whatever else. In every single damn week, without fail, after we post it on our Facebook page, and if you haven't liked our Facebook page yet, at Coog Center on Facebook is where we are. Every single friggin' week, without fail, people comment on there. Let's just focus on next game. Why can't we just focus on this? You're looking too far ahead. We need to just focus on Cal, for instance, this week. And I, I will admit, I, I've gotten a good kick out of the Kook Center commenters and people regularly on the site uh, kind of making fun of that a little bit every time I put a post up. I've really appreciated that. But I, something that sticks in my craw on that one, and it, it's not necessarily, you know, it's not that I'm mad at people for saying that. It's that you're a fan. You're allowed to do this. You're allowed to look forward to a bowl game, especially now that they're bowl eligible, you're allowed to look ahead and see, oh, wow, that might be really fun, or oh my God, if they keep winning, they could do this, and it's just fun to do. Not just hashtag focus on the next game. That's so boring. And the players are doing it. It's not like the players aren't doing it. I mean, for Christ's sake, just have some fun every once in a while. You don't have to take it all so seriously. It's just college football, even though I say that on a podcast where we take things, we talk about it constantly. So, I had a brainwave. Uh, This is either the best or the stupidest thing we've ever done on this podcast. I, uh, I wrote a little song 
for the people who always tell us to take it one week at a time when it comes to bowl projections, when it comes to anything else, even if we were talking about the Apple Cup at this point, people who tell us to take it one game at a time. I, I, I wrote a little something for you. Using a tune you should be pretty familiar with. Uh, again, either the best or the dumbest thing we've ever done. I'm leaning towards best, though. Uh, my wife thinks so, anyway. Uh, so take a listen at what I put together uh, for the folks who just say one game at a time. Tale as old as fans Some are real curmudgeons Nothing can be fun Not even winning a ton Unexpectedly Not a little change can't even look ahead, team ain't even scared, but fans must prepare, one week at a time. Ever just the same, why must you poo-poo, every friggin' week? Ever just as sure as the sun will rise. Tale as old as time. Not even a surprise. The line here really says, Learning you were wrong, but lol, yeah, right, you won't. Certain as the sun. Hashtag focus week to week. Tale as old as fan. Song as old as rhyme. One week at a time. Tale as old as fans. Song as old as rhyme. One week at a time. Out to the front porch now with you. It's time to tell kids to get off your lawn. Dunderhead of the week coming up next during the Kook Center Hour.
Done our head of the week time. Good little wrap up to our show here, even though we do have Ask Michael Anything next. Uh, the wife and I went to the Kangaroo and Kiwi in Ballard to watch the Coop game on Saturday, which if you're ever in Seattle, and you want to get there early enough to get a good seat, uh, make sure you do. Kangaroo and Kiwi is a good place to do it. Decently priced drinks uh, and whatnot. Uh, but we were sitting in a corner in the room, and they, they covered up one of their um, shuffleboard tables so you could just sit on it or use it as a bar or whatever, uh, a little more efficient seating-wise for them. And we had a back corner of the bar, and a number of guys came in, and they kind of, you know, they started doing the thing when there's a huge group and there's only two people who are trying to take an area. They kind of start, you know, elbowing you out a little bit and whatever else. And my wife and I didn't mind because, you know, there was a group of like 12 of them, and they weren't really watching the game. They were just kind of drinking. But, so I didn't mind too much. But if you want to move a woman's purse or a guy's, in my case, my windbreaker, or whatever else, Kangaroo and Kiwi had some windows open because, it, you know, obviously there's a lot of people in the room, it gets a little stuffy. Uh, don't take the purse and the coat and set it on a windowsill when there's tons of room on the shuffleboard table that is covered behind us to move it to. Or perhaps poke us and ask us, hey, is this yours? Do you mind if we move it? Because when I looked back there, one of the guys was leaning back so far that my purse almost went tumbling out the window down onto the patio. So, again, I know a little personal responsibility on my part to keep track of it and whatnot, but if you are going to move something like that, and I have been keeping my eye on it, and if you want to move it to make some more room for your butt to sit down, please just ask me. It's really not a big deal, and I would prefer from the contents of my wife's purse to not spill out all over a patio. Luckily, they didn't. Just, just ask. Just ask if you can move it. It's really not a big deal. Ask Michael anything time. Ask Michael anything. If we go 12 and 1, would you rather get the number four seed and get smoked by Bama and Clemson or get snubbed and have a good shot at winning a major bowl game? That from Jeremy Fegan. Uh, I'd rather get smoked by Bama or Clemson. You're in the college football playoff. It's just that's. It's that simple for me. Because I would go to New Orleans. I would absolutely go to New Orleans in that case, or whichever game is closer to whoever the top, better seat is. At Mr. Tommy G-Man, please state your opinion on Porgs. 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 That thing in the Star Wars trailer. Eh. You know, wait and see. By the way, I'm... Like, the only way to see that is at Cinerama in Seattle, or somewhere with a reserved seat, right? Because, like, especially in that first week, I'm not trying to cram myself in and dealing with the saving seat people and all that other crap. It's got to be somewhere with a reserved seat, right? That's the best way to do it. At BT White 22 Ben White, how much money and perks would U-Dub need to give you to be their radio play-by-play announcer for football and basketball? Oh, Ben, I have bad news. <laughs> I've done that before. I was the play-by-play guy for volleyball and women's basketball years ago. It was a fun job. I really enjoyed it, actually. And the people there were great, and I had a honeymoon to pay for. And I would, honestly, I'd do it again if they asked. Some of the people in the electric, a lot of the people in the athletic department there are really great. It's just, it's the fans I mostly had an issue with. Uh, and, but they're not going to invite me back after saying that and all the crap I've said over the years anyway, so that's okay. At V. Whitney 50, Victor Whitney, can we get a better version of the WSU fight song in the podcast? Hate that it plays that intro twice. You know, the problem is, all, the only thing I can pull off online has the people singing 
on it. So I can do, I could just do 30 seconds. I will put it up for a vote. If you guys just want to do 30 seconds, we can do that. But I, I, the only one I can find online has the people singing over the second half. And they sing the regular fights and they don't do the W-A-S-H-I on it. So it's, 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 it's a little weird. So it's just a pain in the butt. Um... At Totes McStose, how great is it to say that WSU's win streak over Oregon is three times longer than you dubbed over Oregon? Uh, oh, and also point out to them that uh, what you dub lost to them 12 straight times. WSU's never lost to you dub that many times. So really, I mean, who's, who's your real rival, guys? Who's your real rival? That's that's fine. At WSU Brady 27, defense has been flying around the field every game out of this world on a scale from Ferrari to spaceship. How fast is the speed D? Uh, spaceship re-entering the atmosphere or exiting? I'm gonna have to go with um, Elon Musk's Hyperloop. Is that faster? I assume that's faster. I don't really know if it's faster. At Jimmy the Coog, Jimmy Morgan, what is the best road trip to Pullman drink and snack? I usually have an energy drink that's not healthy at all, though, is my understanding of it, so probably not the best. I did roll with coffee last Friday. I was trying to get out of the house really quick. Um, I usually pack a banana, and I actually bought a little sandwich, pre-made sandwiches at Trader Joe's, little wraps. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. If you got a little, like a little lunch bag, you can keep like an ice pack in there, keep it cool until you want it. That's pretty good. And banana for energy. Uh, although I did have a meat stick and uh, what was it, like Sour Patch Kids on the way back from the Oregon win last year. Something Colfax, but that was fun. At Fraternal Cloud, Jesse, did the cameraman on the last play of the game die? I had to look back and see that. I think he did. I think he might be dead. I think he really might be. At Kylan, Kylan Robinson, why is punting so hard? A lot of people do it. A lot of people trying to do it. And it is, as Vince said, it's not very easy. We'll talk to you again later this week. Heading down to Berkeley. Should be a fun road trip on the Cook Center Hour.